It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Good show lined up for you today as we continue with our off-season editions of Tribe Talk. Busy week on the coaching front for the Indians. Mickey Calloway, outstanding Tribe pitching coach, now the manager of the New York Mets. We'll hear from Mickey's press conference in New York earlier this week as he talked about how difficult it was to tell his pitchers in Cleveland that he was moving on to a great opportunity in New York. When I was breaking the news to them about this, I was tearing up. I, I cared so much about them and who they are as people that uh, it was a very difficult decision. We'll also hear from Tribe Manager Terry Francona about Mickey Calloway and his new pitching coach, Carl Willis. He knows so many of our pitchers. He knows our organization is a huge bonus. He'll hit the ground running. And we'll be joined by Carl Willis, who says it is great to be back in Cleveland for a number of reasons. They're just a very special organization in my heart, and uh, and they're an organization uh, that has also done hurt the situation that they're primed and, and ready to, I think, win a World Series. So uh, it's very exciting. We'll also have some news and notes, and the first of our Games of the Week from 2017. That's all coming up on Tribe Talk right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. It has been a busy week for the Indians on the coaching front. Terry Francona's coaching staff since his first season back in 2013 has been fairly stable for a major league coaching staff over a five-year period. Really the only significant loss during that time. Kevin Cash, who had been the bullpen coach at the time, was named manager of the Tampa Bay Rays a couple of seasons back. But outside of that, Tito has been able to keep that staff intact. Well, if you continue to win, usually members of your coaching staff gain some uh, traction in terms of potential openings elsewhere. And this week, that certainly came into play with Mickey Calloway, the outstanding Indians pitching coach, being named manager of the New York Mets. And then also Matt Cotaro, who has filled a key role as the assistant hitting coach for the Indians. He will now become the third base coach on Kevin Cash's staff down in Tampa Bay. So some changes on the coaching staff for the Tribe, and we'll go in chronological order here for you this week on Tribe Talk with coverage on that. Mickey Calloway officially 
announced as the Mets manager on Monday in New York, and he had just finished his fifth season with the Indians as their pitching coach, and, and what a record he put together in guiding an outstanding Indians pitching staff. From 2013 to 2017, that five-year period, the Indians' ERA was 3.64, lowest in the American League, fourth lowest in Major League Baseball. And when you consider that the earned run average of the staff in 2012 was 4.78, that is a significant drop and some great work done, of course, by the pitchers, but also by the coaching staff and Mickey Calloway at the top end of that. There was an ERA under four in all five of Calloway's seasons as the Indians pitching coach. And most notably, recently, specifically this season, the Indians with a major league record of more than 1,600 strikeouts. They averaged more than 10 strikeouts per nine innings, and they had the lowest team ERA in Major League Baseball at 3.30. Very rare that an American League team leads all of baseball in ERA, but the Indians had that going under pitching coach Mickey Calloway, and at his press conference in New York. We'll give you some flavor from that. This is from Monday now, Mickey Calloway being introduced in New York as the 26th manager of the New York Mets, and he talked about what he's looking forward to in New York. He thanked a lot of people as well, and why was he excited after his interview process with the Mets? Um, I'm looking for a place where I can step in and work with the best people in the world, to do some special things, and uh, that is why I was so excited when I left that interview. You know, what I won't tell them is, is, you know, they were talking about, well, we had to convince Mickey to come. I called my wife after that interview, and it was on speakerphone, and my two girls were in the back, and after I hung up, one of my daughters said, Dad was so excited. That was great. Of course, I couldn't go ahead and tell everybody that, but uh, I am the most excited guy in the world right now to, to be here and to be able to work, work work with these people. I'd love to thank my wife and kids, my mom and dad, my brother and sister for always being there in this pursuit of baseball, which is demanding and wonderful. It's the best game in the world. There's a lot of sacrifices that go with that, and I've sacrificed a lot of time with them, and they've been there for me uh, through every minute of it. So I'd like to thank them. I'd also like to thank the Cleveland Indians, um, the Dolan family, Chris Antonetti, Mike Chernoff, Terry Francona, and the rest of the coaching staff um, in Cleveland. I will miss them. They were uh, integral in everything that uh, I stand for, and I took qualities from all those people. I feel like I'd like to thank Derek Falvey, who is now with the Twins, Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, who are with the Toronto Blue Jays, John Corwright, who has been a life, lifelong friend and advisor. And uh, last but not least, I'd like to thank my pitchers in Cleveland. Um, when I was breaking the news to them about this, I was tearing up. I, I cared so much about them and who they are as people that uh, it was a very difficult decision. And that was probably the, the hardest part of this whole decision. Um, so thank you to all those people. Uh, okay, well, thanks for allowing me to, to thank some people. Um, a lot of thanks being said. Um, so here we go, man. I am excited to be the 21st manager of the New York Mets. 
Um, what a great history this organization has. And I did a little studying up on some of the history. And uh, I already knew that Casey Stingle's uh, number was retired and that he was the first manager ever here. Well, Casey Stingle um, is a guy that, that I grew up every day and I heard his name because my brother is named after Casey Stingle. And uh, I was named after Mickey Mantle, so I come from a baseball family. <laughs> my dad, obviously, and my mom are huge baseball fans. That's the new manager of the New York Mets, Mickey Calloway, talking about how special it is not only to be managing a major league team, but also some thoughts on his time here in Cleveland as well. Now the Indians moved quickly to name a replacement for Calloway as Carl Willis, the former Indians pitching coach and most recently former Red Sox pitching coach, has been named new pitching coach of the Cleveland Indians. Terry Francona, tribe manager, on Thursday, in making the announcement, talked about familiarity as being a major key for Willis's hiring. Yeah, that was a that was a huge bonus. I mean, you know, when 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 Mickey uh, got the job at the Mets, you know, we immediately started putting our heads together, and we kind of like we did with Mickey, we we started looking not just at names but at attributes, and then Carl's name kept coming up. So when you know. We we just we moved quickly because there was a lot of competition out there for pitching coaches, and the fact that he knows so many of our pitchers, he knows our organization, is a huge bonus. He'll hit the ground running. I mean, he's planning on talking to most of the pitchers today. So, and it, there'll be easy conversations because he's he knows pretty much everybody. He's 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 had veteran pitching staffs every staff he's had you know whether he you know in cleveland he had cc in in seattle he had felix you know in boston he had sale i mean he's had the elite pitchers and he's had teams that have won he's a veteran he understands you know what we didn't want to do was with mickey leaving is try to put a band-aid and you know stop a leak or something you know we want to get better and that's what drew us to carl Everybody's going to have their own style. I think one of Carl's huge strengths is his ability to connect with people. And I think our pitchers will know right away that he's in their corner and he cares about them. And he's not afraid to, to collaborate with, you know, with our, with our people, with our information, you know. So it, it's, it's just a, it's a really good hire for us. One that everybody's, not just comfortable with, but thrilled about, because Mickey did an outstanding job for us. And you know, we we you know everybody knows when you talk to us how much we value our pitching, and we think Carl is an exceptional hire. Was there, was there a, did you interview many other candidates, Tito, or it sounded like you went you pretty much had we, Carl and we had lists. We did we had lists and. Um, we did obviously a lot of talking about people, you know, some in our organization, some out. But we decided to move quickly just because we we felt we had the right man. And like I said, I think there was some competition out there. You know, we didn't get to talk to you the other day. Just what what was your reaction to Mickey getting that job? I know we kind of at the season end sat down and talked about sort of pride winning out. Is it sort of that bittersweet feeling? I'm so happy for him. I mean, you know, he 
he's he's deserving. Um, you know, I know that managers get judged on wins and losses, but I think like I, cause I think Cashy does a great job. I watch him from you know across the field, and I'm just so proud. You know, Mickey, you know, watching him do his press conference and the way he handled himself. He's ready. He's going to be terrific. You know, nobody has a crystal ball and knows what their record's going to be. But he is so ready for the challenges that will come with that job. Um, I mean, he's going to bring enthusiasm and passion for that job, and he'll he'll do terrific. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona with some nice thoughts on Mickey Calloway becoming the new manager of the New York Mets and also some thoughts on new pitching coach Carl Willis. And we will hear from the new Indians pitching coach when we return as Tribe Talk continues on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Indians have a new pitching coach. It is Carl Willis who takes over for Mickey Calloway, who was named manager of the New York Mets earlier this week, just a, a couple of days before the Indians were able to wrap things up and name his replacement. And it is a familiar name for Indians fans, as Willis was the Indians pitching coach for seven seasons from 2003 through 2009. Indians led the American League in earned run average back in 2005 and also during his time here, C.C. Sabathia in 2007 and Cliff Lee in 2008 were Cy Young Award winners. Great experience for Carl Willis on the pitching coach front after his time here in Cleveland. He also served as pitching coach for three seasons with the Seattle Mariners. Had a Cy Young winner there in Felix Hernandez back in 2010. And then early on in 2015, named Red Sox pitching coach. And last season, yet another Cy Young Award winner on a Carl Willis coached pitching staff. Rick Porcello won the award a season ago. We had a chance to catch up with Carl on Thursday and talk about returning to the Indians, a place that he has always been very fond of. In fact, when we visited with Carl Willis earlier this season when the Red Sox were in town, he talked about how much Cleveland means to him, always has and always will, and now here he is back in the fold as the pitching coach of the Tribe. Well, it certainly is, Rosie, and, and thank you so much for for those words and welcoming me back. Um, you know, I, I've always felt that, you know, as a coach, you know, I started my coaching career in the minor leagues, obviously with the Indians organization and, and got my feet on the ground uh, there as a coach, uh, you know, was a part of a tremendous culture that's continued to grow um, at Progressive Field and, and in that clubhouse. And, um you know, it, it feels like uh, coming back home. I've continued to follow those people there, uh, you know, Chris Antonetti and obviously knowing Tito and uh, even some of the players who, who are still around. Um, uh, they're just a very special organization in my heart, and, uh, and they're an organization uh, that it also doesn't hurt the situation that they're primed and, and ready to, I think, win a World Series. So uh, it's very exciting. And you are in a unique position at the end of the season. I suppose you could have stayed with Boston to see what would transpire there, and, and there were several pitching coach openings, and, and I know your name had been mentioned, what we read, and, and I'm sure uh, from your standpoint it, it might be different from some of that, but you had some choices, and uh, you kind of alluded to it here in, in our open, but uh, 
what was it about the Indian situation that made it just a natural for you? Well, you know, again, I think, um, you know, there's obviously familiarity. Uh, you know, I was in the Cleveland organization from 1997 to 2009 as both a minor league uh, pitching coach and, and then uh, fortunate enough to be there in Cleveland from 03 to 09. Um, you know, after leaving and, and a stint in Seattle, I actually rejoined the, the Indians organization in 2014 as a special assistant. Um, again, uh, going back to, you know, just the, the culture that they represent, and it's something that, you know, you really are drawn to, and, and I think anybody would want to be a part of. And, uh, you know, agreed to go back in 2015 as the, as the pitching coach in Columbus. And, uh, you know, about a month in, uh, you know, very fortunate and blessed that, you know, the Red Sox uh, reached out and, and uh, you know, very fortunate and blessed that, you know, Chris Antonetti and the Indians front office allowed me the opportunity to to join the Red Sox and, and, uh, and get back to the major league level. And uh, I truthfully enjoyed my time there. And I, I think we obviously have nothing to be ashamed of. We won the division, the American League East, the last couple of years. Um, you know, we – didn't accomplish what we wanted to in, in the playoffs, but at the same time, uh, winning that Eastern Division is, is no small feat. So, uh, you know, the Red Sox are very good to me. When they made a managerial change, um, all of our staff um, were a little bit in limbo and that we all had contracts for next year. But Dave Dombrowski, uh, you know, uh, very professional about it, didn't want to stand in our way because, he, you know, a new manager is going to pick his own staff. So, he gave us the opportunity if anyone reached out to us to to discuss, you know, a position elsewhere. And, um, you know, I actually talked with four clubs, and I just felt at the end of the day, um, you know, going back home, there's nothing greater. Carl Willis joining us, new Indians pitching coach. And, Carl, an interesting situation in that you're, you're taking over a team that had a great season pitching-wise mm -hmm. a year ago. And in a lot of situations, a new pitching coach is, is hired because of struggles by the pitching staff the year before. Maybe it's a completely new staff because a team had, had really had a hard time the season prior. But you come into a team that, that has had great pitching, not only last year, but uh, the past several seasons. How does that change your approach as, as you get re-entered into the Indian system? Well, you know what, uh, again, I've been fortunate to be a part of that system. Um, and actually, you could say even recently, going back to 14 and 15, um, working the entire uh, spring training of 2015 in Major League Camp with Mickey, with Ruben Niabla, the major, uh, minor league pitching coordinator, and, uh, and Tito and his staff. So, you know, have some familiarity with the players themselves, the pitchers themselves, but um, – I think it's, it's a little bit of a head start for me because uh, I have a good idea of the philosophy and, and uh, it's a philosophy that, you know, certainly I don't want to step in and make any changes. You don't fix what's not broken. And quite frankly, um, I think our, our philosophy, uh, their philosophy is, is, is the one that I basically learned from uh, and tried to take uh, and tried to take to Boston. So, uh, you know, just looking forward to reconnecting with the players. Uh, Going to start that process this afternoon, um, and uh, and just come in and and keep things going forward, um, and keep things consistent, and uh, and not come in and and uh, try to put my staff on it. That's not what it's about. It's about these guys and and them doing their thing. 
and you've had a chance over your career to work with four Cy Young Award winners. Uh, you may be working with a Cy Young Award winner coming into next season, and Corey Kluber, if uh, things work out well for him this offseason. But uh, what's the key to, to say, a C.C. Sabathia, Cliff Lee, back in the day when you were here the first time around, and then, of course, King Felix in Seattle and, and Rick Porcello last year with the Red Sox. What's the key to, to working with those guys who, who really have figured some things out and, and have reached great heights during their regular seasons? Uh, what's your key from, from that standpoint? Well, my key is is to learn from them. You know, it's my job to learn them, not their job to uh, to learn me. You know, and I, I can go back to the most recent recent example of of my career and this past season working with Chris Sale. You know, a very accomplished pitcher, a you know annual All Star, um, annual Cy Young candidate. Um, you know, Chris Sale didn't come into our spring training in Fort Myers and. And uh, and have me revamp his delivery and his throwing program and eliminate pitches and add pitches. It was a matter of, you know, me learning his delivery, learning his keys, having a lot of conversation with him about just you know how he thinks, how he works. Um, you know, I think when you work with those caliber of players, and I think the Indians, you know, I think there's more than one. Uh, certainly, you know, it's our job to learn those guys and, and not the other way around. So it takes a little while to develop and earn that trust, um, but that's a key to it, and, and hopefully we can start making that happen today. Carl Willis joining us, new Indians pitching coach, and you're working under Terry Francona, Indians manager, and you were saying earlier you go back a little bit with Tito and, and have a good relationship with him prior to, to even uh, making sure that everything was, was working well this time around. Yeah, you know, we, we played against each other actually uh, – uh, briefly in the major leagues, but but I probably maybe even more so in the minor leagues and Triple A level for a little while. But uh, you know Tito, I don't know how often it's you know brought up. He was a part of the Indians organization, I believe, in 2000. I was the uh, pitching coach in Akron, and he was a special assistant. Um, that's where I first really got to spend some time around him, and and then uh, of course when he went to Boston, and uh, you know just having had a little bit of a relationship with him when he was in Cleveland, we would always talk and uh, obviously have learned even more about and through him uh, being with John Farrell the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about it. You know, it has a great way about him. I spent the 15 season, as we mentioned in spring training and um, you know, he's a lot of fun. Uh, he's very laid back as far as, uh, you know, building an atmosphere that the, the players can go out and relax and focus and, and compete. But at the same time, uh, he doesn't miss anything. I mean, he, he's really, he knows how to dial it in. Uh, and, uh, and is obviously one of the most successful managers uh, in major league baseball. So I'm really, really excited about the opportunity to work with Tito. And, and maybe you can't comment too much, but if you can, uh, you spent some time with him this past weekend when, when things were starting to come together and it looked like the Indians would need a new pitching coach. And, and what does he look for in a pitching coach from, from what you gathered from that interview process? You know, I think Tito's just looking for someone that he can trust to get the pitchers work done, to trust to work with the pitchers as far as, you know, keeping their deliveries uh, consistent. Um, obviously, it's a collaboration of a lot of people um, to, you know, develop game plans, um, and to get all the work done that needs to be done. But a manager's job, uh, you know, is really the, 
entirety of the club. And so to have someone who he could trust to, to make sure the pitchers are doing everything that they can do to prepare and to stay ready and stay consistent, um, you know, that's the most important thing he's looking for. And then obviously during the game, um, you know, we'll be having constant conversation and, uh, you know, changes have to be made with the guy on the mound or decisions that have to be made. Um, hopefully we will work hard to, to learn one another and, and uh, stay ahead of the game and, and make that a fluid situation. Well, it will be season number eight for you as an Indians pitching coach, first since 2009. And, uh, Carl, I know you're really looking forward to it. Thanks so much for coming by and enjoy the, what's left of the off season. I know there's a, a long way to go till spring training, but I'm sure you'll be busy, and I appreciate the time today. Well, you're welcome, Rosie. I'm, I'm really excited to rejoin you know, such a great organization and, uh, and looking forward to reconnecting with uh, a lot of friends there in, uh, in northeast Ohio and uh, a lot of great fans there at Progressive Field. That is new Indians pitching coach Carl Willis, very much looking forward to getting started with his new ball club, which you could say is his old ball club, and uh, certainly taking over an outstanding pitching staff that should have Another Cy Young Award winner from this season in Corey Kluber. And uh, we'll find out about that in the months ahead uh, when the voting concludes there next month. But uh, certainly a lot to look forward to for Carl Willis and the Indians as they continue to forge ahead with a pitching-dominated team, especially starting pitching that's been such a big key and will continue to be so in the seasons ahead. Stay tuned. We'll have some news and notes from around baseball and the tribe when we continue after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. A couple of news and notes from around baseball and also uh, particularly the Cleveland Indians. Earlier this week, Terry Francona was named the Sporting News American League Manager of the Year. That is not the official baseball writer's Manager of the Year award, and certainly Tito will gain some votes there. And what should be uh, really a, a tight vote, you would think, Manager of the Year wise, Paul Molitor of the surprising Minnesota Twins will gain some votes. Joe Girardi, now formerly of the New York Yankees, will get some votes as well, along with uh, some others. A.J. Hinch, certainly of the, the Houston Astros, will gain some votes, so we'll see how that goes. But at least from the sporting news, which used to be the, the baseball Bible back in the day. Brancona named American League Manager of the Year. Craig Council of the Brewers named a National League Manager of the Year by the Sporting News. Now, in uh, a couple of weeks, Rawlings will announce the Gold Glove Award winners at different positions. And for the Indians, they have four candidates this season. You may remember last year, Francisco Lindor won the Gold Glove as the best fielding shortstop in the American League. He is... Up for it again, he's been nominated a second-time finalist. And also from the Indians being named as candidates uh, as a finalist for the Gold Glove Award, catcher Jan Gomes, who is a former Gold Glove finalist as well. Jose Ramirez, first time that he's been named at third base. Interesting because it was second base where he really shined defensively down the stretch for the Indians. But at third base, Jose Ramirez, a finalist for the Gold Glove. And Carlos Santana at first base. Good for him as he made tremendous improvements defensively as a first baseman. And he's been named as a finalist for the Gold Glove at first base. So we'll keep an eye on those four. Gomes, Ramirez, Santana, and Lindor when the Gold Glove Awards are announced on 
November the 7th, so not too far from now. Uh, early next month, we'll see who wins the gold gloves in both leagues. It's been happening since 1957 when Rawlings began highlighting the top three defenders at each position and naming uh, the best at each position a short time later. So we'll see what transpires for Gomes, Ramirez, Santana, and Lindor in the final gold glove voting. At your news and notes from around baseball, we mentioned uh, just putting a wrap on it, uh, the managerial carousel continuing and in terms of surprising managerial changes, the Nationals, after back-to-back playoff appearances and more than 90 wins each season, they have cut loose Dusty Baker after just two seasons, and uh, they will move in a different direction. And the Yankees not renewing Joe Girardi after 10 seasons, and a surprising year this year to many that the Yankees were even in the postseason, but it was not enough for Girardi to keep managing the New York Yankees. He was let go earlier this week as well. So we'll keep an eye on replacements as there's still quite a few vacancies out there in terms of managers in the major leagues due to some moves this offseason already. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come. It's our first look back at a game of the week from the 2017 season. That comes your way next on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk Time for our final segment and a regular feature now in the postseason and offseason shows here on Tribe Talk. It's a look back at our game of the week. We debuted this a year ago after that special 2016 season, and we'll do it again after a tremendous 2017 campaign that saw the Indians win 102 games, so almost on a weekly basis. We will pick out a game from 2017 and take a look back on it, and uh, hopefully that gives you some great memories of what really was a a special season despite the early exit in the postseason. The Indians with a a lot of great memories from 2017, and it got started on opening night down in Texas. Remember that series? Indians opening against the Rangers, two teams expected to be contenders for the American League title this season. The Rangers coming off the best record in the American League is in 2016, and uh, then the Indians follow that up with the best record in the American League this season. But when they met on April the 3rd, it was simply an opportunity to try and get off to a good start. Great pitching matchup down at the ballpark in Arlington. Corey Kluber against Hugh Darvish, and Texas would score first a solo home run in the second inning by Rugned Odor. But in the top half of the third inning, Francisco Lindor's sacrifice fly tied the game at one. And then in the bottom half of the third, the Rangers really got the bats going against Kluber. A solo home run by Carlos Gomez put Texas back in front 2-1. to Then later in the inning, it was Odor again going deep off of Kluber. A three-run shot that made it 5-1 to Texas, and it was not looking good for the Tribe on opening night. But in the top half of the fourth inning, the Indians got two runs back thanks to Jose Ramirez. Here's his pitch. And it's swung on, and there's a high fly ball. This one hit to deep right center field. Way back there, home run, Jose Ramirez. And the Indians are back on the scoreboard. Creeping closer now, Texas 5 and the Tribe 3. Home run number one for Jose Ramirez. Boy, and who knew this would be the start of just a tremendous season for Ramirez 
all around. Hit for average, hit for power, extra base hits, ended up leading the American League in extra base hits, and his two-run home run on opening night made it a two-run ball game. Tribe still trailing 5-3. to three. After the tough starts for Kluber, he settled down and found his groove working into the sixth inning. And Andrews swings and lines a bullet to left. Brantley right there to make the shoulder-high catch. Goodness gracious, Elvis Andrews absolutely blistered that ball. But the inning is over, and probably the night is over for Corey Kluber. But he, despite the one bad inning, kept the Indians in this game and gave them six innings. Game still 5-3, and in the seventh, it was Yandy Diaz getting things going. Yandy Diaz, you talk about a strong young man. Wow. His muscles have muscles. Right-handed hitter, slightly open stance. The pitch to him, and it's in the dirt. Ball one, one and one. Yandy Diaz has spent three years in the Indians organization, batting 307 in the minor leagues for three years. Last year, he was in double-A and triple-A. thing that's impressive about him is his plate discipline. The pitch to him. He swings, lines up, base it down the right field line. It's going to get to the wall. Yandy Diaz has his first major league hit. It's a stand-up double down the right field line. And right there is why Yandy Diaz made this Indians ball club. His ability to hit the ball all over the park. Swing and a miss. Ball got away from Lucroy. It'll be a wild pitch, a strikeout, a run scores, and Almonte gets to first. How about that? And the Indians now trail 5-4. to four. Now, Lucroy has at times been pretty good behind the plate tonight. Good effort. And at times the ball just eats him alive. And that ball he didn't have much chance on. It looked like a wicked breaking ball that bounced away from him. And that's going to be all. For tonight's starting pitcher, Hugh Darvish. Then in the eighth inning, in his first game with the Cleveland Indians, the big free agent signee in the offseason, Edwin Encarnacion, came up big. One ball, two strikes. Encarnacion digs back in there. And the one-two pitch. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Away, out of here and gone. And we've got a 5-5 ball game. And Edwin Encarnacion with a little, some would call it a chicken wing, with the right arm flexed outward, or the parrot that he's carrying on that right arm, which ever you're a fan of, you call it whatever you want. But a no doubt about it blast to left as Edwin Encarnacion paying dividends in his Indians debut here tonight. In the bottom half of the eighth inning, first appearance for Andrew Miller, and it was solid. Now the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. Fastball away, and Miller strikes out Lucroy and gets a pair of strikeouts here in the eighth. So Andrew Miller looked like, well, Andrew Miller of a year ago. The Indians broke the tie in the ninth inning. Tyler Naquin led off with a single. Yandy Diaz's ground out moved him up to second. And then an unlikely hero, Abe Almonte, got that much-needed clutch hit. Now the 2-1. Swung on line drive, base hit to center field. Naquin will score easily from second. Abraham Almonte's put the Tribe on top 6-5 to five with an RBI single to center. So Abraham Almonte 
drills a single to center. Naquin scores from second. And the Indians have their first lead of the night, and it comes in the ninth inning. Six to five, Cleveland. And the Indians were not done yet. The next batter, Carlos Santana. Here's the set in the pitch. Swung on line drive up the alley in right center. It's a gapper, and it'll go all the way to the wall. El Monte motoring around third, heading for home. Santana in with an RBI double. And the Indians now lead it by a score of 7-5. to five. And then Michael Brantley made it a three-run game. The payoff to Brantley. Swung on bank toward first, in the hole and into right. It's an RBI single for Michael Brantley. In to score is Santana. And the Indians have erupted for three runs here in the ninth inning. And Michael Brantley gets a sweet RBI single here in the ninth after an incredible off-season of work just to get healthy again. And in the bottom half of the ninth inning, Cody Allen came on to finish up win number one of what turned out to be 102 for the Indians. Eight to five Indians, two down in the Texas ninth. Runner at third, Allen with a two-strike count on Gomez. Here's his pitch. Swing and a miss. Got him with a curveball. Ball game. Cody Allen strikes out the side. And the Cleveland Indians, who at one point trailed tonight, 5-1, to one, come roaring back, take their first and only lead in the ninth when they would erupt for three. And the Cleveland Indians have won the season opener. After the game, Terry Francona talked about the big blow from Encarnacion in his Indians debut. I mean, that's why we got him. That's, that's a nice feeling. I mean, you could tell. I mean, he had one thing in mind right there, and he did it. He's a good hitter. That's Hopefully there's a lot more to come. So the Indians had an 8-5 win on opening night in Texas, and that is the first of our Games of the Week from 2017. Again, a regular feature here on Tribe Talk during our off-season shows. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us. We hope you can join us next week right here at Progressive Field when we join you with another edition of Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.